1: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Perkins, the writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by E.J. Snyder. E.J., Thanksgiving week is upon us. going to be a little different this year, of course, with social distancing and uh, staying healthy and, and happy and keeping everybody else healthy and happy. But nice to spend a little time with you on Thanksgiving, and how are you doing on this wonderful Thanksgiving week?
2: uh i am fine thank you for asking agreed nice to spend time with you as well this is the way a lot of people are going to be spending time together if they're smart over the next week and uh we get to talk about a little football we're not really probably going to talk all that much about the bears next opponent but we do get to talk about a thing we love and that is a welcome thing in 2020 so i am fine um just completed work for the week And am focusing on food, a little bit of family for sure, but not having any family over necessarily and uh, relaxing, which is good. We will, of course, have some football on Thanksgiving. But for tonight, I brought on a beer um, that is very local to me, uh, brewed uh, very close to me in Tequila, Washington, which is just south of Seattle. And this is Odin's Gift by the Odin Brewing Company. It is an amber. Uh, this is a 22-ounce bottle. It's 5.4 by volume, so not too bad. Very sessionable amber. And it is brewed, interestingly enough, with juniper berries.
1: Okay. Very Pacific Northwest yeah. uh, idea there. Well, I'm, I'm going to win the theme uh, for the week. As because you I brought usually on, do. <laughs> well, I brought on a specific Thanksgiving beer. Mm. This is from Clown Shoes. It is a pecan pie porter so <laughs> not it is only
2: a, do you win the theme, it also hits the JB roundhouse like squarely. Oh, I've had
1: it. It's good. Um, actually, I've already poured half of it into a glass and in my wife's hands and the other half of it is, a, is in a glass in front of me. So yes, we've had this one before. We like it, but it's a, it's a perfect one to bring on for Thanksgiving week. And I probably won't get any pecan pie this week because we are not going to the in-laws. And so I will miss out on that. I will be attempting to make my mom's famous deviled eggs. Ooh. She sent over the recipe. And so I will try my hand at that. I do believe I have made them a couple times in the past, but it's been a few years. But it's really not Thanksgiving without my mom's deviled eggs. So putting that on the uh, the agenda for probably tomorrow to make, uh, because I also have the day off. So heading into a five-day weekend as well. So very excited about this. We'll uh, – you, we've already poured our beer, so no uh, sound effects on the opening of, of cans
2: or bottles this week, unfortunately. That's okay. We, we can have the sounds of us drinking them and going, mmm, because this, uh, this man. one is delicious. <laughs> it's got a great sort of ruby brown color to it. Not a ton of head. Uh, and like I said, it's just a good solid amber that you don't really taste the juniper. There's a little bit of a maybe a touch of bitterness off the back, but it, it really not a Bitter beer and amber, very smooth, very drinkable. So great stuff. I
1: took the first sip and was like,
2: "Oh yeah, it's good."
1: Uh, <laughs> they make a lot of really good uh, stouts and different flavored stouts and stuff like that too. So it's a, it's a, I think it's a fun brewery if you haven't had. It. I'm sure most people have, but uh, Clown Shoes, good brewery. So, so what we wanted to do today or tonight or whenever you're listening to this is that we we're coming off the bye week. Uh, we don't want to talk about the last game because that was ancient history. And so we thought that we would take a moment and reflect on three things we got right and three things that we got wrong heading into the year. And then as we started making the list, three got a little longer, so we're going to probably talk about a few more things than three, Um, and we're going to talk about some things that we think we got right around the league and things that we really missed (laughs) around the league, Things things that we said or maybe uh, American dollars that we put into bets um, that we would rather have back, in my case. But we will get to those uh, a little later in the show. But let's start off with the Bears. So we're going to start off with three things that we think that we got right about the 2020 Bears. And you had the first one.
2: Yeah, one thing we got right is that we thought Mitch Trubisky would be on a short leash. Whether or not he won the quote-unquote quarterback competition that occurred in quote-unquote training camp, Uh, because there really wasn't one this year. We were pretty sure after last year's, I think we can call it a debacle, right? Sure. (laughs) Uh, That there wasn't going to be, oh, we're just going to, you know, Mitch is our guy and we're sticking with him no matter what. There was going to have to be some performance and some improvement. Um, And if that wasn't the case, that we were going to see a change of quarterback fairly quickly. And I think we got that one correct, the first part of that the second part of that the subsequent part is that we were really hopeful that we were going to get to see some at least average quarterback play from whoever came in that turned out to be Nick Foles and that we would really get a taste of whether or not the offense quote-unquote worked right did the Bears offense work with average quarterback play was that the linchpin that was holding it back and uh, unfortunately it looks very much like nope, that wasn't the thing that was holding it back. Like, there are multiple issues, but the quarterback change has done very little to change the offensive outcome for the Chicago Bears. So we got that Trubisky was on a short leash. We were hoping that that would mean good things. Hasn't really turned out that way.
1: Yeah, and I think that, in hindsight, the leash was much shorter than I thought even thought we were thinking short leash like he'll probably get through the soft part of the schedule not shortly He's going to get yanked at, right after halftime of the third game when he throws a, a, a terrible pick I think that one thing that was that showed up was Matt Nagy was clearly he pulled him for 2019 performance that that's what happened there and he was ready to get to Nick Foles whether or not Nick Foles was ready Uh, is is another conversation, but it it was fairly obvious to us what the Bears were trying to tell you about what they thought about Mitchell Trubisky throughout the offseason by not only not picking up his fifth-year option, but also just going out and getting someone like Nick Foles, giving up a lot of capital to do that, and so not necessarily that you and I were like, oh, we love Nick Foles because that is definitely not the case for me, but we're trying to just say this is what the organization is trying to tell you about what they think about the quarterback. And so the fact that Mitchell Trubisky won the job out of camp was mildly surprising to both of us, to say the least. And it didn't seem like it was going to take long or much in the way of Mitch uh, making a number of mistakes for Matt Nagy to pull the trigger to go to Nick Foles. Now, it worked in the moment. Nick (laughs) Foles led an amazing comeback against against the Falcons and then we started to say okay like let's see if he can round into form and I have to I have to say it did look like there was enough breadcrumbs for you to draw that line going up through the Buccaneers game and even into a little bit of that Panthers game which is really the one game that the Bears kind of control from start to finish and so there were some breadcrumbs that said yeah this is kind of moving in the right direction James Daniels get hurt we're going to talk about that in a minute and then it just kind of all fell apart around there what what have we learned about the quarterback position because both of these guys when you look at their numbers rank at the bottom of the league
2: yeah i would say not much what we learned i think is that the quarterback was not necessarily the primary thing holding back the offensive scheme in chicago Like there is, there are other issues. We mentioned the offensive line. We're going to talk about that in a second, but there are larger issues with this offense in terms of creativity, in terms of substitutions, formation choice, uh, play calling rhythm or cadence or lack thereof, the inability to change tempo to basically benefit the offense and and hinder the defense doesn't seem like the bears do much of that they more play into the defender's hands uh i think we saw Sean McVay do that again and get a very easy touchdown out of it on monday night um you know he understands cadence and when to be up tempo and when to huddle and the bears clearly don't so there are multiple issues here would a better quarterback make this offense perform better yeah, I think it would have to. The Bears rank near dead last ahead of really only the Jets in most offensive categories, but how much better without other fixes? Even if the offensive line was stable, even if the quarterback play was uh, a notch above what Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles has been able to provide, uh, what are we talking about? 20th? 22nd? You know, probably not much higher than that. This is not an offense that's being held back by the quarterback. And I guess we can say that definitively. It's not great news, but we can say that with sort of assurance now. Robert
1: Mays' show on the athletic football show, he was he was talking about this with the Eagles, and they sort of rolled in the Bears as like, well, this is also true for the Bears. And I, I tweeted this out uh, it about a week ago. I think it was last week's show. And they were talking about like the Eagles' offense basically being broken because it has turned into this – collection of plays that we like on paper or on the blackboard and we've kind of slapped it together but there's no real central identity there's no real like i need four yards here this is what we run i need eight yards here this is what we run there's no real identity and you have just kind of this collection of plays and you slap it together and you have this like you know ugly collage that doesn't actually have a system behind it and i think that that really started to make a lot of sense to me when I was listening to it. It's like, yes, that actually does seem like it explains what Mac Nagy's been trying to do. And once you get enough film on what he's been trying to do and he's figured out and there's no central theme and there's nothing that you do particularly well, then you can see how it's falling down around him. That's a really bad reflection on Matt Nagy. I don't know that I saw that. And maybe some people did. And obviously they, Matt Nagy had his detractors, but I certainly didn't see... That clearly until this year, when it was very clear to me that he just did not have it. And I I like Matt Nagy as a head coach. I've talked about that a lot. I think he's got the leadership part down. The guys seem to play for him. But in this day and age, that's not enough. And the Bears are going to have to make a decision at some point of what are they going to do with this guy that they probably like, but probably isn't a fit in the modern NFL.
2: Yeah, it comes down to, and we talked about this a little bit on last week's show, and I had subsequent conversations with some of our colleagues. I was chatting with Bill Zimmerman about it and, and several others, and uh, both who are Bears fans and, and just league watchers, and saying, hey, what's going on with the Bears? What do you, what do you think they're going to do? And it comes down to this, that if Matt Nagy wants to evolve and stay the head coach of the Bears, if that's even an option for him, he is going to have to take the CEO or the executive role. And he is going to have to renounce, loudly and clearly, control over the offense. And if he is unwilling to do that, I've had at least two people I talked to who said, he'll never do that. He would never. He, he won't do that, right? And the answer is, then he gets fired, right? There right. is no point at which we come out of this season, the second season in a row, when the Bears have literally bounced off the bottom of the barrel in just about every offensive ranking. It's not... A little bit of this or a little bit of that there haven't even really been great signs of life there is no way there is no world where Matt Nagy comes out and says well this year the third year it's going to be different like it's going to be an offense that is modern and supports scoring points in the NFL that's clearly not happening at this point so either takes his hands off that wheel and stays in that role that I agree he's pretty good at like he has a good sense of team the guys do play for him. He can motivate them, but he is going to have to say, I am no longer in charge of the offense or he's gone.
1: Absolutely. So let's move on to number two. So this was something, so we already alluded to it. Offensive line depth could or would be an issue if someone went down. We talked about this very specifically and even to the fact where I went back and listened to our preseason show when we brought on Lester and Lester and I had a Probably too long of a conversation about the offensive line, but that's what happens when the two of us start talking. And one of the interesting things, I, I brought it up directly. I'm like, Lester, do you feel comfortable with this offensive line depth? Because I, I'm i not seeing it. And I listed off everybody that I thought would play a role if someone went down. EJ, I did not mention Rashad Coward's name. Do you know why I didn't mention Rashad's Coward Coward's name? I do. I thought he was cut. Yeah. I thought there was no way that this guy has made the roster again. And when he was first man in after the James Daniels injury, I know Barris was technically the first first man in, but he, uh, Coward got that start the next week. I was shocked. I was shocked that the, that was the plan. That There's no excuse that Ryan Pace can give me that Coward is your plan B or anybody, or your plan A for for an injury, and that really worried me coming into this year, and I know we had the game where, you know, Leno was the only starter left on the field, he had four backups, and it was just a complete mess, and that's going to happen to most teams in the league, that it'll be a mess, but you can't have one injury derail an entire offense like what happened when James Daniels got hurt.
2: Well, you can, and the Bears are proof of that, but we did bring this up, and offensive line is certainly, we're talking about the hits here, Uh, offensive line is certainly an area where we hit on this directly, like you said, in our preseason show, but it wasn't the only area, and quite frankly, the Bears have skated along with a lot of luck in two other areas that we brought up pretty strongly. My leading one was outside corner, and look, Jalen Johnson came in, we're going to talk about him in a minute. Kyle Fuller has stayed healthy and played at an excellent level. And Buster Screen has the nickel pretty locked down. But we said, what happens if one of the outside corners goes down? It probably means Screen rotates to the outside and then they bring somebody in else at nickel. But that's not a way to run a railroad when three, four, even five defensive backs is really your new base defense. The Bears have gotten lucky on the injury front there. And the other one was inside linebacker we said good things about roquan and danny looked good last year he looked terrible to start the year we both got really nervous and we said man they're they're gonna have to roll iggy out there because they weren't able to re-sign nick wakowski and kevin pierre lewis moved on as well to washington Those were their two top backups. They went from having really good depth there to having basically none. And those were the two other spots where he said, hey, if an injury occurs, it's gonna be really bad. And I haven't changed my mind on that. If an injury occurs to either Kyle Fuller or Jalen Johnson, they're boned at outside corner. And the same if Roquan or Danny misses any time with a significant injury, there's nobody on the roster right now that's like that shining star waiting for their opportunity and offensive line has played out that way again one injury started that cascade and it's looked pretty horrible since then well let's talk about one
1: of those other spots then and that's Jalen Johnson and so this is one of those really fun picks that you basically brought up before the draft as a guy and I was like I like this guy I like this guy I'm, I'm, I'm targeting this guy in that second round let's see if he can fall to that level i the shoulder injury probably is what kept him in that area. The Bears drafted him with their second pick in the second round. And from the start, this guy's like, oh, oh, he's 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 a guy. He's wearing 33. He's coming out. He's acting like he's act, he's got Kyle Fuller on the other side, and he's like acting like he's the best cornerback on the Bears, right? And so he has no fear. He has stepped into that role. He's played really incredibly well for a rookie. I think you have to say he's got to be – among, if not the best uh, rookie corner in the league. And he looks like he's going to be a fixture in that defense for years to come.
2: Yeah, this is a this is a perfect fit. We talk about it all the time with scheme and landing spot, play style, uh, coaches, uh, physical ability, all those things rolled together. And Jalen Johnson was a very solid match for everything the Bears like to do at corner. He had all the skills he had the physical attributes like you said the shoulder was a concern he's still playing with the brace but he has played extremely well and i don't mean good for a rookie which is kind of a backhanded compliment he has played really well he was leading the nfl up to last week in past breakups right in pbus not not leading rookies not leading corners he was leading the league in broken up passes as a rookie he's played physical he's had some penalties but he has largely figured out how the league is called at that spot and is i would say right now the top cornerback on the bears and that's saying a lot because kyle fuller has been playing at an extremely high level on the opposite corner but i would say it's a coin flip every week to see which corner is better on the bears and that's a tremendous spot to be in because it's a very expensive spot to get It's a very expensive spot to re-sign a pure boundary corner in free agency, and if you pick one, especially in the second round, that matches your system that well and comes in like he's a three or four year vet, that is a tremendous upgrade for your football team. So Jalen Johnson, perfect fit, nailed it, thought it before the draft, thought it during the draft, thought it after the draft, and he has fulfilled sort of our every expectation for him and quite frankly exceeded him this is one of those where it's
1: just really nice to be the co-host with a draft guru because i feel like i had ownership of this jalen johnson pick as it was happening you had already gotten me excited about it that's happened a couple times eddie jackson comes to mind and i get excited when they make the pick and when he succeeds it's like well yeah i knew that i didn't really know that
2: i knew that because ej convinced me of it but still i feel Uh, i feel some ownership of it i like it i mean that's value add right if if i have a stake in this game that's certainly where i started and and where i made my mark and when i can continue to do that and be right it feels really good because i i can and am wrong about a lot of guys but it is a great feeling when you say i think this would work i really think this would work this guy in this spot or this guy with this coach i just feel like that just lines up and then it actually happens and it works out it's a rarity and it's something to be celebrated so I'm glad you get to feel that way I'm glad I get to feel that way most frankly I'm glad the Bears have two very solid outside corners right now probably one of the best cornerback tandems in the league and usually when you're starting a rookie you can't say that yeah I actually mentioned that same thing
1: uh, in a uh, five questions uh, back and forth with the Packers this week the gentleman asked me a question about the defense and i was basically like you know this is probably the best corner tandem that Rodgers is going to face this year so you you might not expect that I you think that the bears defense is good fine but like you don't necessarily know why it's good yet if you haven't been watching them and i think a lot of it starts in that secondary which we've talked about a lot on that show this show so those are the three and then now we've got Six honorable mentions to go through, yeah, uh, because there were a lot of things that we talked about that we felt like, yeah, we can't we can't hit that on the head. The first is the tight end position. I was very vocal about Jimmy Graham being washed. I am not surprised at what we have seen out of his play this year. He's not a he's not a plus factor in the game between the twenties. He has been good in the red zone. That's great. You know that that's a nice salvaging point to that big contract, I still think it was a bad move. To continue with that tight end position, we both were very clear up front, Colt Komet, that is not a pick that you make that you expect to have an impact during the rookie year. Tight ends rarely have an impact as a rookie. And that has absolutely been true, not only with Cole Komet, but tight ends across the league. Rookies just have not put on a lot of numbers because that's just not what happens with rookie tight ends.
2: Yeah, we we had a rookie recap, mid season rookie recap on bootleg football this week. That was our show from last week. And one guy made the list at tight end. We we put three at each position and sometimes we snuck in a fourth if there was really a, a sort of tie or, or there was somebody who was incredibly worthy. We had at least three or four spots that we went through every position. Uh no kickers or punters, sorry. Um, but uh (laughs) rodrigo i know rodrigo that's the first name i thought of actually that's funny uh but no we got to tight end and i was like harrison bryant that's it like that's what my notes said harrison bryant that's it we're not mentioning any other rookie tight ends uh because even harrison bryant's contributions have been of late uh and he had a good game with a couple of tight a couple of touchdowns and that really propelled him but even his numbers are quite pedestrian and look the league after Ertz and a few other notable tight ends has really just dropped off like tight end production this year league wide is is really far down the list um from what it has been it's been a very serious drop off so um the fact that Komet has not lit things up didn't surprise either one of us the fact that jimmy graham has provided very little for the bears offense other than that early touchdown burst right there was that hey we're in the 20s oh you're gonna throw a jump ball to jimmy and i was actually surprised he's still effective in that role but that's it very clearly he doesn't add as a blocker he's not great between the 20s he's not dynamic his routes are done and you paid a lot of money to get him in the fold and really this is the part that gets me the most build that as like a plus move like this was the best guy available and uh, no he wasn't you could have gone and paid austin hooper you could have done a bunch of other things if you really wanted to invest a tight end but you didn't you waited you grabbed the last salvageable thing with stats and it's playing out that way now jimmy graham's a nice guy he has been a very successful player in the nfl i'm not trying to demean jimmy graham what i'm trying to say is for the bears with what they needed at the position, this was a sort of multiply bad choice.
1: When the Packers signed him uh, to a contract a couple years before the Bears did, I laughed and I sent a text to my friend who was a Packers fan. His last name is Lombardi, so don't hold it against him. And I said, "Jimmy Graham, really? You guys are going to regret that. That's a terrible move. He's washed. That was, you know, that was three years ago." And yeah. And then when your team does it, a couple years later, it's like, it's okay. Even, where's, it's even worse. I'm waiting yeah. for the text, and I, sure no. enough, I got it. And 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 that was pretty obvious, and I think it was that was about as obvious as not expecting Cole Komet to contribute as a rookie because, again, rookie tight ends don't contribute. And so I, I want to just bring that up again and again because I keep seeing people trying to blast Cole Komet. And what's funny is... I didn't really like the pick. I I wanted to go a different direction. We're going to talk about that here in, like, 20 seconds, so stick with us. But even though I didn't want the pick, here I am def- out here defending Cole Komet. Like, stop trying to judge Cole Komet on his rookie numbers. That's, like, so it might be confusing to people, like, okay, Jeff didn't like the pick. Why is he trying to defend... Colt Kmet not doing anything, it proves him right. No, it doesn't. It doesn't prove me right at (laughs) all. What do you
2: mean, Jeff? Sports isn't binary? If they're not great, (laughs) they're not terrible? Like, there's only two choices here, black or white. And just hold on to your
1: horses with Cole Komet. That's all we're saying.
2: And trying to judge him currently in this offense is wildly unfair, as it is for every other player in this offense, whether you're talking about Riley Ridley, whether you're talking about David Montgomery, heck, probably some of the younger players on the offensive line, right? This is not a sort of fair litmus test for, are you a good player in the NFL? the scheme is not great somebody made a meme this week it's the astronaut meme uh and they had uh oh yeah, kyle long <laughs> yes holding the gun at the other guy's head and somebody says matt Nagy's scheme's not good and 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 the little word bubble coming off kyle long is never was and kyle long himself liked it and said gold yep. and that to me was incredibly telling that kyle long who looked needed to retire because of injury but He didn't really seem and hasn't seemed very sad about that. And that seems like a major motivation is, weren't going anywhere anyways, why should I go out and get steamrolled again for something I know is not going to work out? And that's really telling when a very recent former player goes, yeah, that scheme wasn't ever going to work. And we heard Nick Foles make similar comments as a current player, which is even more rare, saying, yeah, there's no chance. We're calling plays with no chance of success. And that pretty much tells you all you need to know about the 31st-ranked offense in the NFL, which is wasn't going to work, isn't going to work. So judging Cole Komet because he, quote-unquote, doesn't have any stats in this offense, the answer is, Neither does anybody else, including guys like Allen Robinson, who should be going off in literally any scheme, and he's getting thrown at, you know, four and five times a game sometimes. That's flat out ridiculous. So again, be very careful what you say about isn't good, wasted pick, whatever else. Cole Komet can be a fine player. I don't think he's going to be a superstar at tight end. I certainly don't think he has... You know Travis Kelsey potential, that's not his game. He can be a very good all-around offensive player. I've said that since the moment he was drafted. Again, not the guy I wanted, but doesn't mean he won't be successful and a solid contributor. In this offense, no one is a solid contributor, so go easy on Cole Komet. And let's transition, beautiful segue,
1: to the guy that you did want in that selection and that was Antoine Winfield Jr the safety out of Minnesota. So one thing that I why I why you sold me on Winfield was that one of the things that I think the Bears defense could use instead of this red shirt safety meaning the guy that you know, like the Star Trek analogy that we've made where you get a new guy every year, he's got a one-year contract, he's not coming back next year. It's just this rotating cast of players that's going to play next to Eddie Jackson. That's that's the Ryan Pace model so far as we can tell. But what I see around the league is that there are these safeties that are just these agents of chaos. Buddha Baker is a really good example if you guys watch that play where he just looked like a missile. flying in and making a tackle for loss three yards behind the line of scrimmage obviously jamal adams is probably the highest profile of these guys uh tyron matthew for the chiefs these guys that you can kind of do everything with there's this just this modern defensive player but they're this crazy chess piece that you can be super creative with and move all around the field and do all these different things you want to bring them on a blitz they can do that you want to cover a tight end or you want to cover uh you know you want to cover a receiver with them great you want to drop them in a zone great Do you want them to come up and make a big stop in the run game they can do it these guys are just there's they're very interesting modern defenders and the bears don't really have that guy don't tell me that eddie jackson's that guy eddie jackson's a center fielder he's wonderful at it but he's not that guy he's not the agent of chaos if you bring in an Antoine Winfield it's already a great secondary yeah you don't need that pick but you put that guy in this defense is you know hanging around the top five this year it's a really good defense it's been but don't break it's really solid add that chess piece in that can move all over the board this might be the best defense in the league
2: yeah i get a lot of pushback about this i was very vocal early in the season i was vocal at the time in the draft when it occurred because the draft is a funny animal and people love to go backwards and say retroactively well you could have done this or you couldn't have done this or whatever else and it's true but at this moment winfield was available this is the bears first pick second round cole commits there But so is Winfield. And if you look at those players, this is why you need to, if you're a GM or a a personnel executive, you understand stacking of the board, right? And you look at those two players and you say, our need is higher at tight end. But Antoine Winfield is a blue chip player. We believe if he'll stay healthy, that this guy is going to be, he's going to contend for um, Pro Bowl every year. And he may be an all pro if he tops out at his ceiling right and Cole Komet, we think is a tick below that where he'll be a solid contributor probably a regular starter regular contributor not a guy that's going to be tickling all pro every year so here is the two players we have this pick they're both going to be gone no doubt by the time we make our next round pick not our second pick in the second round only a few spots later but by the time we get to the third neither of these guys is going to be there which of these two because we have a need at both spots is worth more in the long run who's the better player which in the higher rounds matters more once you get down to the fourth round fifth round sixth round you can throw that calculus out the window a little bit and go after guys you want who are incomplete or injured or whatever else that's why they slid but up top you really have to say overall what's the impact of the franchise and you do have to look at offensive balance and defensive balance and everything else but again rookies are cost controlled Especially below the first round, both of these guys, either of these guys, would have been taken in the second round. And who's going to provide greater value for longer or more impact sooner? Your choice. Do the calculus. I think Winfield wins in both of those categories, which makes him the pick. And again, do you need him? No, you don't need him. Would he add something to, quite frankly, the strength of your football team? He would. And here's the flip side. Could you have replaced Cole Komet's production with a much lower pick? I don't know. Say a guy like mm, Harrison Bryant, who we talked about. It's a <laughs> fourth rounder. Fourth rounder, right? Two full rounds later. Could you get one of the many tight ends who, again, none of them are contributing at a high rate, has a lot to do with Harrison, where Harrison Bryant landed, but even when Harrison Bryant got picked. I was like, the Browns have three other good tight ends. Like right. Harrison Bryant's path to playing time is lousy. He's still performing as the best rookie tight end. So it's a balanced question. Winfield, we knew was going to be a player. The only question was health. If he could stay healthy, a little bit like Jalen Johnson, we knew he was going to be good. He's gone to Tampa Bay. He's been good. He's had his ups and downs. Yes, he's a rookie. He has provided more impact than any other safety as a rookie his name was all over the all rookie team stuff uh when it started to come out midseason. It will continue to be. He is an excellent player. We knew this. It was a known, known. And in terms of balance, I don't think it was a great pick. Now, again, that doesn't demean Cole Komet. This is not a black white world. Cole Komet can grow into a fine player for the Bears. Antoine Winfield would have been a better value at that spot.
1: Yep, absolutely. All right, these uh, quick hitters are taking some time, but I like it. So uh, the next one that we have is uh, I think that I was the most vocal about this or among the most vocal, but Nick Foles was a bad move. Uh, This is just a guy that's not someone that you want to give up any capital for and then commit that kind of guaranteed money for especially when you sign a contract with escalators for playing bonuses and all this kind of stuff he's just he's not he's not even a league average quarterback uh he's 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 below that mark it was a silly move you should have waited you should have been able to tell that there were going to be more quarterbacks on the market that could start for you or compete for a starting role for you then there were a number of teams left looking for them and there were a couple teams that played the market correctly and the bears did not they panicked after they could not sign teddy bridgewater who knows about the tom brady thing let's say that was true and it didn't come to fruition and so they panicked they probably were on the phone with cincinnati Cincinnati just doesn't seem like a team that does very well in terms of communication to making trades and so I'm sure the Jaguars were more than happy to take that call from Ryan Pace. They played him very well and got something of value out of Nick Foles, a player that they did not want and the Bears took on not only took on the contract but re-signed it in a way that gave him uh, the most player-friendly deal that I've ever seen for a player that's not that good. So we called it at the time i know i was super mean about it and like i'm sure nick Foles was hurt when he read my tweet Uh, read in parentheses there's no way that nick Foles was hurt or that he read my tweet but it was a bad move and it's proved out to be bad for the bears and it's probably going to saddle this bears team into the future with some contract repercussions
2: yeah, it's not just that it was a bad move. There's there's always good moves and bad moves, and they are easy to tell in hindsight, not so easy to tell in foresight. It's that it was the worst move. It was an incredibly <laughs> rich free agent class in terms of Not talent. the worst
1: move for the Bears. The worst move
2: in the league. It was bad. I, would, I don't know that I would go that far, but it was a terrible move for the Bears for multiple reasons, and you've named most of them timing was one yeah the contract is terrible the fact that you gave up draft capital just makes it uber uber terrible um Nick Foles I think is a decent human being and I think he's a good football player I think he's streaky in the extreme and needs to be surrounded with a I don't want to say perfect situation but a very favorable situation and the idea that you could have waited and picked up Andy Dalton when he shook loose or cam as the last player on the board as a wild card for way less money and compensation shorter range of control sure but peanuts comparatively like either of those would have been better choices and you would have saved the draft capital on both of them which could have bought in this draft again we're talking about a fourth round choice right in this draft that could have bought a very solid interior offensive line player there were many guards available for depth and backup so again these issues hooked together team building is an interconnected exercise it's not just that it was a bad move it's that they either should have waited to the true bottom of the barrel and paid bottom of the barrel prices or they should have gone all in and gone and my my favorite in the clubhouse would have been teddy bridgewater early now teddy wouldn't sign i get it probably professionally a very good choice for him but you know in my perfect world it was teddy bridgewater after that were guys like andy dalton and cam depending on on what you wanted nick Foles was down the board and there is no way i'm a going out early to get him before that market is settled B giving him a huge contract extension comparatively when he gets in the door and C giving up draft capital to do it like it that's what makes it the worst move. It's not that Nick Foles is the worst choice, it's that he's a poor choice and you paid a premium price for it.
1: Absolutely, all of those things. <laughs> just I they just roll around in my head constantly just how bad Ryan Pace flubbed that one up. Well, so. it's the
2: same thing when you stack it with like Jimmy Graham. Again, mm-hmm. huge money for a terrible option. Right, And then another one that we're going to talk about uh, when we get to things that we got wrong, when you combine those three moves in a singular offseason and literally what they do to the cap moving forward, Jimmy Graham, Nick Foles, and we're going to talk about Robert Quinn. Yes, we are. You put those three moves in a singular offseason. The Bears put all their beans in one basket. They put everything in for this run and it's, it's going to bite them. They're gonna have yep. to blow it up. And that's the combination when you talk about team building. And Ryan Pace did not get it right this offseason. In fact, he got it almost as wrong as he possibly could have. Yeah, he went hard in the
1: wrong direction. And we talked about that before. So, you know, it's it's not hindsight when you talk about it at the time. So the next one that we have, and this is this is a personal one for me. I know this is a, it's a you can bit just of soapbox away on me. this
2: one. This one's yours.
1: I I Cody Whitehair's in the wrong position. He has not looked good at center this year. I know that you suspect that there were some other injury issues that may have been bothering him. He He's not in the right spot. He's not a natural center. James Daniels is a natural center. I know that there were reasons why the Bears decided to flip those guys and it was due to Trubisky not having the signals down and Daniels not being ready to take over the signals. I would think that Daniels is probably ready for that. It's time to flip him back. I, I really would prefer it if... When Whitehair came back, he played guard, and Mustafer or whoever else would play center, and you could get a situation where you could start to get Whitehair back. It's not going to happen this year, but in the off-season, I really think that whoever's coaching this team, they really need to think about putting Whitehair in the right position. I think this year proved out that Cody Whitehair's natural position should be the position that he's playing in the NFL, and I think that's guard
2: you want my hot take on this because you love agents of chaos you just said that agents of chaos were your favorite i'm gonna play agent of chaos for a minute you want my agent of chaos take on Whitehair this year in this mess that is the offensive line i <laughs> yes he would have been better at right tackle when massey went down i, I abs- yeah, absolutely absolutely
1: He's, he's absolutely built for that. I'm, I'm saying that if you're going to rebuild it for next year. No, he's no. He's not a center. He's just not a center. No, I just can't, I get, like, it, I can't like, get over it. <laughs> Whitehair
2: was an excellent college tackle. When I scouted Cody Whitehair, he was playing tackle for Kansas State. And I tell people that Cody Whitehair was not necessarily easiest. He was one of the most difficult scouting assignments I've ever had because it was like watching grass grow or paint dry. You, you, I yeah. watched something like, it was three full games, and the Kansas State was throwing a lot at the time. It was somewhere between 40 and 55 throws a game, so you're talking about like 150 snaps of pass protection. And Cody Whitehair was the most boring guy I've ever watched, ever. And by boring, I mean good boring, because offensive line boring is good. He'd take two steps, he'd make contact, he'd take another half step, and he would lock in, And nobody moved. I think in 150 snaps, I like blinked or spilled my drink when somebody got like another half step on him. I was like, oh, 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 pressure, which wasn't really pressure. It meant they got one half step closer to the quarterback in 150 snaps. And other than that, every snap was the same same drop, guy made contact, take another half step setup, and bam, that was it. They were locked down. They did nothing. So I was like, Look, this guy is country strong, super consistent, great technician, boring, and you love boring offensive linemen. If you'd slid him out to right tackle when Massey went down, I would have been thrilled because he would have locked it down. He's really, really good. As for not being a true natural center, fine. Go draft one. You can get him. Second round. They already did. Third round. <laughs> like eh, you you believe daniels is a, is a lock at center i i think he may be a fine guard we'll see but if that's oh, I think the case play guard go get yourself a center like if if you're not going to make daniels a guard fine go get a guard other than that go get yourself a center go get you yep. alabama center in the third round right <laughs> always yep. seems to work out just go do it and say all right we've got our guards now we've got a true center work on your tackles you're gonna have to get them high we talked about that but like Make up your mind and make it happen.
1: Yeah, I actually, I actually think he's he would make a really good right guard, but like that's that's the, uh, we'll just, we'll just that's we'll the find. nerdy offensive he's so strong. line. In here. He yeah. should be on the right side anyway. Uh, next one, Robinson really needed to be re-signed in the preseason uh, before that se- before the season started. Uh, pace All right. has absolutely dropped the I'm, ball there. I I'm going to re-
2: take the ball on this one, and it I'm going to cry because it's Thanksgiving week and emotions are high. I'm going to tell you something that's going to hurt, and so maybe we'll both cry. Robinson's not resigning with the Bears. No, 100. percent No, I'm
1: saying he need the pace needed to
2: lock that down again in in
1: August. He but did it no wrong, way right.
2: He did it wrong all the way along. Like yes. he should have done it early. Would have been cheaper. We would have had the assurance. We would have known where the team was going. He's absolutely. Uh, let's just get this absolutely straight. Yes, this is a Robinson stand podcast. It deserves to be. He deserves it. He is a true alpha player. He'll catch anything you throw at him. He is a full team guy. He works strong in the community. He largely keeps his mouth shut, which is really strange for a wide receiver these days. Like talking seems to be a job requirement. And he has every reason to spout off about being misused, under targeted, whatever else doesn't do it. Huge contributor, super consistent, solid team guy, in and out of the locker room, on the field, you name it. Alpha, alpha, alpha all the way. The Bears need that guy. And they have basically made this situation so incredibly toxic, there is no way that Robinson or his agent, who was spouting off on social media, it's rare that the agent spouts off before the player. Eugene Parker's agent was going off on Twitter. What in the world is going on? with you know them not throwing to my client like i i get it you can call it homerism ryan pace screwed this up so badly that robinson is going to walk and he is right to do so and saying all of that makes my heart hurt so deeply because Allen robinson should be a bear for life until he retires and he should go down as one of the most celebrated wide receivers in chicago bears history and he isn't gonna because they botched it There's a reason why
1: I've been tracking all of his stats because it was going to be great when he broke all of these records and I was going to have all of this, all these articles and all these tweets that I did because look at this guy. He's so talented. He's going to be the best receiver in Bears history. The only way that he gets re-signed now, I think, is if Ryan Pace gets fired and a new GM comes in and says, hey – I'm sorry, but you are the future. And and maybe that is the chance, but if Ryan Pace is here making these decisions, and, there's no way that Ro- that Robinson's going to stick
2: around. I'm going to tell you that it doesn't matter and that's going to hurt your heart even more. I agree with you, but I would go even further and say they would have to clean house, bring in a true offensive focused I don't want to say mastermind, but someone with a proven offensive track record for play They bring calling. in Joe Brady,
1: or they bring in Arthur Smith, or something Right, like right.
2: That. They would have to bring in a very top candidate, but I would say still, so even if all those dominoes lined up, which is already a bunch, I still think he doesn't sign, and it's because of the fact... That Ryan Pace managed the finances the way he did, they don't have the money to give Alan Robinson the contract that he needs. They can't, they like physically can't. The money doesn't exist at this point. And so even if all those dominoes fell, and even if Joe Brady came in on his knees and said, Alan, you're the guy, you're my alpha, I'm gonna throw it to you ten times a game, guaranteed, you're gonna be my one and only. I still think robinson goes out looks for his best contract on the market and if he gets a chance to play with even an average quarterback because he's never had that remember as a player if he goes out and somebody says hey you get to go play with deshaun watson you get to go play with kyler murray you get to go play with russ who knows like i don't think any of those things necessarily happen but you can't believe that he wouldn't jump at that chance regardless of the financials to say, wait, wait, a guy that's competent throwing the football. I'm in. Texans are
1: actually perfect, but they're in like about a bad a situation as a lot of, a lot of the bears are too. They don't have any draft capital. uh, So I guess that maybe they'd be willing to spend, i actually don't know how bad shape their, their cap is, but it ain't great. Texans are actually, yeah i figured as much that was actually one of the teams i thought about it's like ooh, man watson to robinson would be a lot of fun i i'm cheering for robinson like robinson was right all along and the bears were wrong and i i'm a bears fan but i'm sorry like they they did robinson wrong and he's my guy and i will follow him the rest of his career because i think he is as good as they come and he like you said he's great in the locker room he doesn't you know talk out of line or whatever like you know a lot of a lot of receivers talk he doesn't he just goes about his business and i, I i'm a huge fan so i will follow him the rest of his career the last one we have is that oh, i think we got right was that we both felt pretty strongly that roquan was on his way up and that this would be the year that he really kind of established himself last year was you know it was a little off uh for some things that we don't you know, know all the reasons behind but he has really taken that next step this year and he looks like the guy that we all hoped he would be when he was drafted
2: yeah he's put together a couple of highlight plays in the last week uh last couple of weeks which he really needed to influence you know pro bowl voters you need a couple of big sacks you need a couple of big tfls on national tv he's had them other than that he's been incredibly consistent he's been the quite frankly the pass protecting linebacker which is why they drafted him speed and range full sideline to sideline the ability to shut down tight ends he has all that he just was missing some of those sort of splash plays and he's picked him up in the last couple of weeks we all knew he was playing at a high level but you need that little bit of extra visibility you need that little bit of extra pop to make people pay attention he's got it uh, yeah he's doing everything he I thought he would do when he was drafted and uh, yeah there was a blip at the beginning of last year by the end of last year he was playing very well again he started off this year again, especially everybody's paid a little bit more attention to Danny. Danny started off slow, Roquan started off solid if not hot and has continued very consistently throughout the season. He's killing it. Yeah, he's great. It's
1: maybe a little long for people, but come on, he's still super young. This guy's got a really long career ahead of him and, you know, any organization in the entire league, Bears, inside linebackers, like it's it's the richest history that there is. This guy's really good. Start to embrace it. Roquan is really good. He's really young. He's going to be part of this team for a long time. This is a really good development.
2: Yeah, totally agree. We should probably take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about things we got wrong.
1: All right, EJ, let's talk about things we got wrong. This list is shorter. And so maybe
2: <laughs> strange, considering we may,
1: wrote the agenda. Well, maybe <laughs> there's some people out there that are going. Hold on, you guys whiffed on some other things, but uh, you know, there's, we get a little more excited about the things we write about. I'm sure that there's other things that we talked about that have not come true. But here's the things that we came up with when we were putting this together. And the first one is that yeah, we had we had some feelings that Juan Castillo, the offensive line coach, was going to stabilize some of those offensive line issues looked like we that was going to be in the win column for us after the first
2: two games and then what happened uh and this is an indictment i was going to talk about when you were talking about matt Nagy earlier in terms of things tend to work for a short period of time then folks get tape on it and generally for the bears it doesn't work after that juan castillo we had very high hopes for we thought again hey he's gonna do better apparently harry he you know Uh, checked out last year i mailed it in whatever we don't know what happened but the offensive line was abysmal last year we thought well at least juan castillo is a stable professional coach with a good pedigree he can keep them at an average level and for the first two weeks we looked right big holes in the running game we were like look a competent offensive line isn't that amazing and then folks got tape on it and poof It disappeared completely. By week three, the holes were closed. The running game looked crappy. The protection started to break down. I got to call this a miss. Like, he was good for a couple of weeks, and after that, the magic trick faded. I'm not exactly sure why that is, but it is. Well, anytime you get a situation
1: where things continue to progress in the wrong direction or regress, everything just keeps getting worse as the year goes on, there's... (laughs) That guy's not going to have a job for very much longer, unfortunately. Uh, I don't mean to laugh. I'm just, just saying that that's, that's a situation that really ex- uh, means that your scheme is exposed or your players are exposed as well. And, it's yeah, we'll take the L on that one. That one seemed like something that we were pretty confident on, and it just it just has not worked out. The next one, and I'm pushing back on this one just a little bit, um, but the next one is that... We thought that Nick Foles would be better than Trubisky. That is something that I thought. And provide, and EJ has in quotes, average quarterback play. Now, my note is, I thought he'd be bad, but I thought he'd be (laughs) less bad than Trubisky. Like, I thought I was talking like, you know, QB 23 bad, not QB 16, right? Which would be around the average they're like QB 31 and QB 32 like they're at the bottom there's not a lot of you know Dwayne Haskins was was below these guys before he got benched Uh, but like there are not quarterbacks that continue to put starts on their stat sheet that are worse than the Bears quarterbacks the guys that were worse got benched and someone replaced them and have has done better and so this is uh this is bad they're both bad you know there's some charts that look like the two bears quarterbacks are just hanging out with the NFC East guys.
2: Yeah, this is all semantics. We really thought that Nick Foles would come in and be a, again, kind of like Juan Castillo, a stabilizing force that he would play somewhere near the middle, whether that was 16, whether that was 20. That's fine as long as he wasn't down in the 31-32 range and guess where he's at? He's in the 31 and 32 range. He has his moments. He had his heat in his first again, 3 or 4 games, then All the DCs got film on him, went back to his old starts and went, hey, what do we need to take away? Because that's the first thing defensive coordinators are going to do. Take away his bread and butter. For a while, he was going to Jimmy Graham, uh, whether it was a veteran thing or whether it was just a comfort thing with tight ends, like he was just dumping to Jimmy Graham. And they're like, guess what? Cover the tight end and Nick Foles is going to be screwed. And they've covered the tight end and obviously Allen Robinson. And that's it. The Bears have been screwed. And that is not what we expected out of Nick Foles. I think this was influenced by a little bit of hope. We were hopeful after all that money and draft capital that like, hey, maybe at least he'll be middling. And the answer is he hasn't been middling. He's been lower end. And that's uh, not great for the Bears. Uh, especially since they have to pay him a bunch of money, especially if he continues to play. There's some talk of Trubisky starting this week. If he continues to play, they have to pay him escalators for another $3 million next year, which is horrendous. That's the player-friendly contract JB was referring to earlier. And it's really going to hamstring the Bears. They need every dollar they can get right now because of all these other bad contracts they've signed. And if Nick Foles is due another $3 million for horrendous quarterback play it puts the bears in an extremely poor position
1: oh it's so depressing we're (laughs) gonna have to have somebody on who's kind of a cap guy you know I talked about brad but brad you know brad put a tweet out the other day that said i am not talking about the bears cap situation until ryan pace is uh replaced and so i guess we can't have him on until that happens but oh he might be convinced
2: who knows maybe brad likes beer
1: well we'll buy him a beer (laughs) yeah but we'll we'll talk about that the ramifications of that contract more. I know that, that that's something that we need to spend some time with in the offseason and talk about that a little more. The third one that we feel pretty confident to take the L on here is that the defensive line with Akeem Hicks back and the addition of Robert Quinn, there's the L, that they would just absolutely be tearing people up. I mean, I had some graphs and charts ready to start charting out sacks to see if they could keep pace with the 84 85 86 teams because I was so convinced that this pass rush was just going to absolutely just be collapsing pockets, racking up pressures, racking up strip sacks and and sacks and all these things it has not happened.
2: No, we really and this the crush thing that they would absolutely crush it is is the the thing we need to focus on here. They've played well. Right? The defense, like you said, is well ranked. They've played solidly. But when you go out and pay Robert Quinn that kind of money and you already have an Akeem Hicks and a Mac on this line, you're not looking for solid. Solid doesn't cut it anymore. You're not paying solid money. That's right. like going out and paying supercar money and getting like average value luxury sand, sedan performance, right? You're you're getting a BMW five twenty five and you paid for a McLaren. Like you're not getting it right and Robert Quinn look his picture should be on a milk carton he has been solid but altogether largely absent uh I think RRH was outplaying him until his injury that's saying something given their their status right and they've struggled at times both against the run which is still necessary in this league as much as we talk about passing and rushing the passer clearly has not worked out the way the bears expected it to we expected chaos we expected the first three weeks of 2019 when the bears defense looked voracious before akeem hicks got hurt right those first three or four weeks of 2019 they were wrecking people they were just absolutely messing with game plans nobody had time Uh, balls were coming out as floaters you're just creating opportunities for the rest of the team they looked like a threshing machine they were amazing they have not looked like that at all this year and ostensibly they actually have more talent on the line this year and that's where we're going to take the L
1: yeah I actually I like your car analogy I use something a little different in my five questions exchange as I just I don't feel like they're using this defense in the right way. I don't feel like they're attacking enough. I don't feel like they're positioning them in a way to, to to create mismatches and create those open, you know, free rushes and all that kind of stuff. And I said, basically you've hired Picasso and he says, All right, what is it that you want me to paint? And you say, I really would like you to paint my living room <laughs> this This dull gray color
2: oh he's gonna do
1: a nice job don't get me wrong he knows how to stay within the lines i'm sure that his brush strokes won't show up that all that stuff's good but like he's capable of a lot more and that's what kind of kills me about this bears defense is that look they're playing bend don't break you know they're they're among the league leaders in all kinds of defensive categories. You know the the most important one is points allowed, and they're right up there. But they're capable of so much more. And and I I will say I'm absolutely willing to take the L on Quinn. You know maybe this ankle injury is something that's been lingering, and you just whatever. It seems like this is we're way beyond the injury excuse at this point. I when I found out that the Bears signed Robert Quinn i was like what for how much (laughs) that is no way no way and then i something happened normally i'm very like "Mm, i don't know like i need to like be really critical about this and then i was like oh i get it no 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 i get it it's another pass rusher they're protecting mac okay yeah all right ryan pace you know lean into your strength okay yeah 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 and i just sort of made a flip really quickly and i it's honestly something i need to learn from because i need to make sure that i'm taking that due diligence and kind of looking into it being like you know was this really worth it as a guy this late in his career really worth this kind of money and i i didn't i quickly kind of turned myself over and said yep, all right, I'm in on the Quinn signing. I like it. And and I think I talked myself into that way too quickly, whereas normally I'd be a little bit more skeptical. And so that's a little bit of a learning opportunity for me. That's it for the Bears. Feel free to let us know what are the other things that we've talked about that we've got wrong. I'd love to kind of hear what you guys picked up from us <laughs> over the past few months, and you're like, those guys got it wrong. I'd love to hear that. But those are the ones that sticked out to us. I'm curious curious if there's anything else with the bears or do you kind of want to run through just the rest of the league you've been watching every game i don't watch every game i watch a lot of games we want to take a couple victory laps from around the league and admit some things that we were wrong on around the league as well
2: yeah for uh, full admission uh, last week was the first week where i've not watched every game because we did our mid-season rookie recap which was fun and quite frankly i needed it i was getting a little burnout um, it's a lot of football watching. Some of you might think, "Oh, if I could just watch football all the time, that'd be amazing." Yeah, it is. <laughs> That's not my primary job, and it's a lot. I love doing it, but when I came, I just I reached out to my other podcast co-host and said, "I need I need a breath of fresh air." let's revisit these rookies because we talked about these guys so much during draft season it'll kind of like be visiting old friends right we'll be able to go back and because we see them all in game footage but it was really a, a good break to go back and say okay overall what have they put up so far and we're a little more than halfway through and and that was a good thing but i did not last week was the first week i did not watch every game i'm back to it this week and i think there's a lot of trends league-wide and that's one reason i like watching all the games is you kind of see what's working and what teams are mimicking it's a copycat league you know what teams are picking things up which plays you see in multiple places and you literally go oh they watched tape from last week and that's the saints you know sweep toss yep they're running the same thing you know it looks different at the start but that's the same play so that's all good um we're going to do some victory laps from around the league and uh these come from a variety of sources things we said either on our betting podcast if you caught that before the season we did a bunch of preseason bets with sam householder uh, as we did last season <laughs> just as a sort of heads up that's going to be a bloodbath for me this year i am not winning anything i won that last year don't count on that this year But I know you felt really strongly about the Dolphins and the Cardinals. And I thought the Cardinals were absolutely going to be competitive. I liked liked Cliff. I liked Kyler in his second year. And I thought more of those pieces were going to come in. And and Cliff can design a a really beautiful run game. Uh, They've kind of shied away from that. The run game has been Kyler for the most part. And he's been doing it very, very well. But you were more in on the Dolphins. I liked the end of the Dolphins last season. I thought they played strongly at the end of 2019 and often that turns into success the next year but I wasn't so sure and you were so what did you see about the Dolphins that really made you feel like all right Flores has got it you know a lot of
1: times when you see a GM or a team make a lot of moves and they're basically saying we don't want to be good this year we're gonna shed payroll we're getting rid of some of our better players for draft picks we're taking, you know, we're tanking, right? We're, we're, we're taking a year where we're just accepting the fact that we're not going to be very good. We don't care about the results in the field. And the Dolphins were not good. They were very <laughs> suspect in the first part of that year. And then you started to see them be more competitive. Some of the younger guys started playing well. And they started winning games at the end of the year. And famously, Sam won the over bet from last year where the dolphins won some games late and because i had given him so much grief about that bet at the time because i'm like sam the dolphins want to be bad why are you betting the over (laughs) like stop it that's a bad pick and i so i purposely made that pick this year where I bet the under on the Jags because the Jags want to be bad this year so I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is Sam and I'm gonna take the under on the Jags that has looked correct I like that process of going through these things and trying to figure out who's trying to be bad and just lean into it the Dolphins were trying to be bad that last year but they kept winning and they worked their way out of the number one pick and that happened to be Joe Burrow which unfortunately for Joe Burrow just had a knee injury last week but the Dolphins were fortunate enough to be high enough in that draft to take Tua, who I think is a, is, has the potential to be a good player. I know they've got some weird things going on with him being benched this last week. But I liked what I saw out of the young players, and I really liked what I saw out of their defensive players. And so I thought coming into this year that you're going to have a down Patriots team, which I thought they'd be a little better, but I thought they were going to be at least somewhat some susceptible. I thought the Jets were going to be terrible. Which they were, and <laughs> I was so going say that's I, I felt, right on. <laughs> I felt like the Dolphins, the over under was six wins. I felt like they would easily clear that. They are at six wins now, and so uh, yeah, that one to me, I, I'm pretty proud of. And I'm, I'm proud of the Cardinals being competitive as well because I, I I enjoy watching that football team. They've they've been pretty good. I think that they are going to be able to clear their over under as well. I think they're at six wins uh, currently. So they're they're both better than I think what a lot of people gave them credit for being coming into the year and that's pretty exciting and the Cardinals to me they were showing their medal when they were playing their divisional opponents tough every single game last year like they they were really hanging in there with the Niners last year in their games and so I thought this Cardinals team looks like they probably got something interesting so my best division bet and honestly my division bets aren't great this year but I took the Steelers at plus 300 because I'm like I don't know. Like, the Ravens, yeah, they were really fun to watch last year, and they were just blowing everybody out. But the Steelers are the best-run organization in in the NFL. If they're not, they're in the top three. Like, they are just a really well-run organization. There's a lot to be jealous of about the Steelers, and they're just a solid pick to win that division every year. And if you can get something like plus 300 on them, just take it.
2: Yeah, it's free money until proven otherwise. Until Mike Tomlin leaves or Big Ben truly retires, and look, if you're if you're sneaky and you've been paying attention to advanced statistics, Ben's stats are not great. Uh, Chase Claypool aside, um, his long passes and and his percentages are all down. But guess what? The Steelers are still racking up wins because they are a well built organization. They can support both sides of the ball unlike the bears they have a defense that supports the offense and an offense that supports the defense and a team like that is going to win until further notice right until the browns can overcome all their issues and they're they're getting there but they're not there yet until the Bengals can get an offensive line in front of presumably joe burrow if he can stand again after that knee injury which was horrendous and i'm yes tremendously personally very angry about that like the Ravens have looked good but they have again regressed somewhat predictably at least statistically. Uh the Steelers are just going to be there. They're never going to lose a ton and they're always going to be in the hunt and they know how to win. They have a lot of veteran players. So Steelers until further notice are always going to win the AFC if there's a major shift to Tomlin and his staff leave if they get a new GM if big Ben fully retires and they don't solve the quarterback question fine at that point you can question the steelers until then nope they're a luck one of the
1: ones that maybe wasn't it was a little bit controversial was that the titans could run it back and there's still a lot of doubters about ryan Tannehill that was a bet that I that I would gladly took because I thought that I believed in their offensive structure their defense is not as good as I thought that they could be this year and so they're winning games and they're competitive I, I think I really like Vrabel as a head coach but uh, they're a little bit more susceptible than I would like to be able to cash some of these bets but we'll see there's and hope then, there's hope at least uh, the, the other good teams so here's the thing I didn't bet the chiefs to win the division because there's no juice on it i didn't bet the saints to win the division because there's no juice on it there's a reason why those two teams were the favorites to win their respective conferences they're really good they're really talented from top to bottom they can you know recover from certain injuries all across their team and they've they've shown it (laughs)
2: You mean from not uh, starting Michael Thomas for like a month and a half? What?
1: And being just fine, yeah, right, and finding ways. Sean Payton is an excellent play caller, and he's maybe only eclipsed by Andy Reid. Those guys are both; those guys are both deserving of offensive genius. Like those guys get called offensive geniuses because they are offensive geniuses, right? And so, both of those teams were, you know, they didn't have good odds on them, and they had uh, because they were going to be. The, the favorites in their respective division. And that's why I stayed away from those divisions because, you know, there's no juice. And they're showing, once again, that good team building, obviously having amazing quarterbacks, <laughs> you know, particularly Patrick Mahomes, they're going to win a lot of games. On the flip side of that, when I looked at the teams I thought they were going to be bad, the teams that stuck out to me were the Jets, the Jags, who are trying to be bad. The Jets, The Jets weren't trying to be bad. They just are bad. And the NFC East, and I say the entire NFC East, and I know it's become a joke, but I was on a podcast, a QB list podcast, when we went through this, and we had this exercise where we had to pick an over, and we had to pick an under from every division, and then we picked a division winner, you know, betting odds thing. And we got to the NFC East, and I said, I would take the under on all of these teams. I know that that's not reasonable, but I would do that because I think all of these teams are terrible and and i wish i would have because they're all going to hit like they're so bad they only can beat each other. They that that division is terrible and i do not know who's going to emerge from it. I actually think it might be Washington. I don't know. Like it might be the Giants. I mean they're all basically tied right now, but maybe Washington has the most going for it right now. It's crazy. They're all bad.
2: Yeah, i to that point I thought the Jags would be better. I thought that they would start Minshew for most of the year. And through the first couple of weeks, that looked great. A lesson to self, lesson to all selves out there. The first couple of weeks are fool's gold. People don't settle out in the first couple of weeks. And honestly, Minshew's debut this year was brilliant, resplendent. You can put any adjective you want on it. He was tremendous. And I thought, look at that. They don't need a quarterback right now. Sure, if they want to take one at the end of the year, fine. But they're all good with Gardner Minshew because he made every right choice in week one. He made every throw. He made that team look extremely good. Well, cue up, you know, five weeks later, six weeks later, they bench him. They go to the rookie, Jake Luton from Oregon State. And the Jags have looked uh, in a predictable struggle. So I thought they would be better. Minch, you got figured out for lack of a better term and I really thought the Eagles would be better I thought that they would yeah. rally uh, they had most of their talent now they've suffered a lot on the offensive line but they have a lot of firepower on offense quite frankly and their defense has been historically quite good they've always been able to generate pressure up front Their core, their secondary was in terrible straights last year but they drafted some of the secondary and i thought okay they're going to be able to hold again because their division is doormats right they're going to get some divisional wins and that's going to propel them along cue the tape run it forward 10 weeks and the eagles are really struggling and i'm i'm surprised there's always teams like that but i didn't think it would be the eagles and it most definitely is who's going to win this division uh, I'm with you that Washington seems to... Alex Smith has rounded into form playing now for about three weeks at quarterback. His first week, he looked extremely tentative. That was scary. Sweet. Yeah, that looked scary, quite frankly. He was a little better last week. And this last week, I, I just did the film study on that game last night. He looks good. He looks... Yeah. He, is, he is rounding into form. And they have playmakers. They have Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson's McLaurin's coming great. along nicely. Um, he is hitting the other receivers who most of them you can't name (laughs) uh cam sims had a good game you know the offensive line is holding up enough making enough holes and again there's some there's some defensive playmakers there. the defensive line one of the best in the nfl they are you want to talk agents of chaos look they have got young they've got kerrigan They've got other no-name guys at defensive tackle who are picking up sacks because Young and Kerrigan are drawing all the attention. Like they, I'm not going to say that nobody wants to play them come playoff time because I think that's an exaggeration, but could they run the table through the rest of the NFC East? They could. I actually would lean on them a little bit more. It's them or the Cowboys, right? I, I yeah. really don't believe in the Giants, and the Eagles are just lost right now
1: i think i just i think the giants had like an easier schedule in some ways but um no i i'm with you like i think uh i think washington actually <laughs> it's so crazy to say i think washington might be the best team out of that division we'll see if they're able to pull it out uh, that'll be interesting all right things we whiffed on Right off the top, I thought the Broncos would be pretty fun this year. I thought they'd be better, and i I don't know where this hatred of the Rams comes from, but I thought the I thought the Rams got exposed last year, and I thought they were gonna be worse, and those those two are just absolutely wrong,
2: yeah, Broncos, I really think it comes down to the offensive line when their right tackle opted out for covid, uh, we said this on bootleg. We we're like, uh, that's not great like. They need that offensive line in front of Drew Locke for him to develop. They have all these weapons. They've assembled a track team to keep up with the Chiefs. They've got all the pieces, but they've got to keep him upright and give him a chance to make choices. Just the right tackle? No, they've had some other offensive line injuries, and Drew Locke has... They needed him to take a step, and he's not taking a step. He's been a roller coaster. He's had weeks where he's looked tremendous and weeks where he's absolutely sort of mailed it in. And unfortunately, I, I hate comps. You know this about me in terms of the draft. And right, the major comp for Drew Locke coming out was Jay Cutler, <laughs> and he's looking very Cutlerish the last few weeks, right. uh, which is amazing in certain stretches. And doing the Dougie on the sideline when he scores a TD, and then throwing a what I would call mindless interception the next series. And they can't have that. Of course, the O-line, we talked about those issues, but Cortland Sutton, their alpha, their version of uh, Alan Robinson, and he got hurt early. That's unfortunate. And that hasn't helped. They still have plenty of other weapons, but Drew Locke really hasn't taken that step. So that's pretty much the Broncos in a nutshell on offense obviously they lost von miller on defense that's a big loss
1: that's a Um, huge loss
2: you know chubb is chubb had a sack this week they're coming around but they're they're not the force on defense that they were um looking at it preseason again healthy o-line healthy von miller yeah i don't think that prediction is is that far off uh the reality like you said hasn't turned out that way rams note it really comes down to mcveigh and a lot of people have said this about naggy they talk about flexibility willingness to change your system and you're right they did get exposed and i thought mcveigh would double down and say no i'm right nobody else is going to be able to do that and he did the other thing he went back to the drawing board and said i got exposed what do i need to scrap to right. come back And I wasn't sure, I wasn't convinced that he wasn't flexible enough, but I wasn't sure that he was, and he's come back this way this year specifically and proved in a huge way that he is flexible enough to make this work, and the Rams are humming because of it.
1: Yeah, it's a a lesson learned for me. I will not doubt Sean McVay again. Uh, he, He definitely earned my respect this year. Uh, I thought the Patriots would be a little bit more competitive, and that was really stupid, actually. They had so many guys opt out in COVID. I think they did get a little bit unlucky with Cam uh, coming down. There's some reports out that he really did have some issues coming back from COVID. They were kind of signaling that they were going to be okay with kind of taking a year back. I shouldn't have been as uh, bullish on them as I was. I'm I'm not going to dwell on that one because... I love Bill Belichick. I think he's an amazing coach, and I think he can, you know, he can make chicken salad out of chicken feathers, as you, as you put it, at, at some point. And so, I'm not going to beat myself up on that one. The last one, though, this is an interesting one because you think that maybe I'm going to be <laughs> right in the end, but I really did not buy Philip Rivers going to Indianapolis. I just thought his arm was kind of dead. You know, you watch him and he just shot puts it out there, and Philip Rivers has that penchant for throwing the late pick and a close game and all that kind of stuff. So far it's worked out pretty well for Indianapolis, but you have some reservations about Rivers down the stretch.
2: Yeah, I said that Indianapolis was the perfect place, and really I thought the only place that Phillip Rivers could end up because he has a great offensive line. He has a coach in Frank Reich as a former quarterback who understands him. He plays inside. like Everything was lined up for Indy to be the place for Phillip Rivers to succeed. However, the caveat is we're still at sort of late career Peyton Manning here, and he doesn't have any arm left. And he's looked pretty good. He's made it work, but largely it's because he's gotten a huge contribution from that defense, which has been aggressive and insanely effective. And he has a, a really strong supporting cast of offensive talent in Indianapolis. They're three deep at running back. They have a sort of freakish tight end in terms of physical stature and then some decent receivers again great offensive line in front of him he's made that work but philip rivers never had a problem in the early season even when he was in san diego decembers have been his waterloo the team around him in indianapolis might be strong enough to survive it but when philip rivers falls off is late in the season and we are approaching that and if they fall off a cliff and the colts bottom out over the next three or four games can't win them and then either don't get into the playoffs or whiff first round in the playoffs that is exactly the scenario that i expected to see philip rivers in is down the stretch he's going to fade he's going to throw picks you know and the colts aren't you know quote unquote going to get anything out of it meaningful uh that is i would say playing to script and it doesn't it really sort of signals the end of philip river's career because if you know that's going to happen when you start off in september why do you do it it's very tough to sell that to the fan base you know they sold it for years in san diego ever hopeful and now if he does it his first year in Indianapolis, they really are going to be in the quarterback market because i don't think they're totally sold on jacoby Brissett. i think they like him but Frank Reich knows he needs a signal caller that can take them deep into the playoffs, not just touch them.
1: Yeah, I honestly, I kind of hope you're right. Nothing against the Colts. I, I've been watching them because they've kind of been the alternative version of the Bears with some of the personnel. I've, I know I've kind of put that out there multiple times on Twitter with, look, the Bears chose Ryan Pace instead of Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard ends up two years later in Indianapolis. Look, I know that Matt Nagy chose the Bears over Indianapolis, and eventually Indianapolis got Frank Reich. You know, there are these, like, kind of connections. They took Quentin Nelson a couple picks before the Bears took Roquan Smith. Like, there's just some interesting uh, connections uh, between these two organizations, obviously, since they played the Super Bowl against each other. I'm not someone who roots for them or against them or anything, but this year I have the Titans winning the division in some bets. So, you know, if that could happen, (laughs) I am okay with Uh, it. I see.
2: The money on the line. Eh, you know,
1: and and, and just bragging rights, you know, to be able to win win our betting podcast. So, that's Look Around the League. Hopefully that was somewhat interesting. I think we can kind of tell things that we got right, things that we got wrong this far into the season. Look... Bears play the Packers. Unfortunately, they play on Sunday night. This is not one that's going to get buried uh, in the schedule of you know seven games going on at the same time. If you were ever uh,
2: rooting for a game to get flexed out of prime yeah. time, this might. I tried. I put it out there. The I tweeted
1: one. at the NFL. I said, please, 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 please. Yeah.
2: They're never going to do that with Chicago because Chicago fans, all of us, are resolute obviously haven't won a super bowl since 85 yet we continue to watch it's a huge population center they're just not they're not going to flex that game out right they know they're going to get ratings regardless of how terrible the team is and that's uh that's a rough spot that the only way that you can influence the team is stop watching but that's what we do right we're fans so
1: well normally we write down a couple keys to the game usually i try to come up with three sometimes we add a couple more Mm,
2: i have one bullet point and i said is get lucky a strategy and i said i hope so here's the weird bounces because that's what the the bears are going to need quite frankly if they'd met the patriots a month ago they would have got mashed the patriots were hanging 40 burgers on everybody and they looked incredibly sharp they have fallen off over the last, say, three weeks, their effectiveness, they have not looked like that well-oiled killing machine that they were early in the season. So if there's any hope for the Bears, that's it. But we're not, neither one of us is holding out a, a, a strong candle that the Bears are going to come away with a W here because, look, face it, the Bears are a bad team right now. They're an exceptionally good defensive team. They are an exceptionally terrible offensive team. And it's an offensive league. If you don't score points, you're not going to win in the modern NFL. The Bears have been struggling to score points, and that's pretty much that. If if they can't threaten the Packers with the scoreboard, the Packers can do what they want, and Rodgers is going to put up more points than X at quarterback for the Chicago Bears. And that's pretty much what this one comes down to.
1: Yeah, you know, you, you, you switch the teams. you got... The correct opponent on the the end there at first you started calling it the patriots and i kind of liked what you were doing and just not mentioning the team name from wisconsin and i thought this might be an interesting podcasting we just don't even mention the team name (laughs) we just call them other things uh but yes them green and yellow folks it is the green and yellow team not oh, not the patriots my, this weekend, my miss but.
2: my misspeak and that's probably because i've been through all 22 ounces of the odin's gift at this point even though it's only let's 5.4. go to
1: the beers uh excellent segue once again you're getting good at this
2: <laughs> uh <laughs> two years will make anybody better how 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 was the beer uh the beer is very good it's very drinkable um I like it. It's got good flavor to it. Uh, Nice profile. I think you might actually like it because it's probably below your IBU threshold. Uh, Nice amber character to it. Again, a little bit of that juniper, but uh, um, not being a huge juniper fan, I don't like gin. Uh, It's not at all out of character or excessive. It just adds a nice little sort of flavor twist at the end of what would otherwise be a, a pretty normal amber. Um, love that it's local and, you know, well-crafted. I've had it a couple of times and it's consistent. That's a lot of the thing with small breweries, sometimes consistency varies. Um, you don't get the same sort of taste or flavor notes every time. And, um, yeah, the Odin brewery has been really good about that. So I would say it's a winner, um, probably not widely available. Sorry, listeners, um, don't think their national distribution is great, but if you can get your hands on it, well worth your time. I think clown shoes probably is. Can you get clown shoes up by you? Occasionally, I have had them, okay. but only in selected styles and usually from a, a big outfit like uh, Total Wine and Beer that has a, a you know a sort of more national selection. I, I certainly don't see them in my local store, uh, but I have had a couple of their offerings before, but certainly not widely available out here. Okay, they're an
1: East Coast brewery, but I you know we get them here in the Midwest. Is, this is just an excellent beer. It's a lot of fun. Again, they do real, some really good dark stuff. Normally, the best dark stuff, in my opinion, comes out of Michigan, at least in the Midwest. Uh, they they make a lot of good stouts. A lot of different Michigan breweries do that style quite well. This is a porter, not a not a stout, but you know, in that direction, and you know the the flavor is not overwhelming but it's it's just the right amount and it's it's just a tasty beer and i'm wishing that i would have bought more than one (laughs) it used to come in a bomber uh now it's in a in a in a can or maybe they do both still but this is now in a pint can and i i think it was like five bucks or something like that i i wish i would have bought a couple because it's probably going to be a nice thing to have on Thanksgiving. So I might have to try to run back out and see if I can find another.
2: Yeah, that's, that's the trouble with, uh, beers that you're trying, right? You buy one or, or maybe you buy a couple, uh, the ones that are terrible. That seems like a great choice. It's kind of like the over under thing. And then the ones that are amazing, you're like, oh, and you try and run back to the store and they're sold out and you're like, ah, man, I should have got three or four, but you know, it's always that chance of, is this going to be tremendous um or eh, something i could really just sort of pawn off on my friends at the next party from the back of the fridge <laughs> done that a few times yeah. Take, oh here's i'm
1: bringing a six-pack to this party uh <laughs> and uh no no, no no i don't need them back yeah yeah uh, keep them in your you just, fridge
2: that's uh that's fine you guys drink them. i don't want to pay rent on those anymore yeah absolutely um you got anything else coming out this week i know it's a holiday week
1: Yeah, you know, just the normal stuff and just, uh, you know, it's Thanksgiving week. So obviously thank you to EJ for doing this and talking for over an hour and a half on a random Tuesday because we both love this stuff but obviously thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast if it's your first time or your 50th episode whatever we really appreciate you sticking with us and even if the bears aren't good we hope we're having some good times with you
2: yeah i would echo jb's thanks for everybody that supports the podcast interacts with us teaches us learns from us Uh, It's all one big community. Look, the Bears aren't great this year, and that can be tough to watch, but there's something to learn from every game. And be thankful for the little things outside of football. It's been a tough year. Everybody knows that. Um, Enjoy the little things you get, even if you can't get to be with your family, and, and that's the biggest thing. Look, I love Thanksgiving as a holiday. I have since I have a kid. Since I was a little kid, we had big family Thanksgivings, and that really set me on loving the holiday for sort of life, I would say. It's not going to be like this, but we're going to get some Zoom calls. Um, We typically called people on the phone, so I guess we could be thinking of it as adding video um, to those calls. So appreciate the things you have. If you have your health, if you have your home, if you have your job, food, whatever it is. The basics are really important, and I think that's the most important thing about Thanksgiving. So try not to concentrate on the stuff you can't get, and try and concentrate on the stuff you have that's that's really, really good. Well said. So we will see you next week. Uh, we've had our bye week. Uh, we're going to try and come up with some creative content, because uh, Bears recaps, especially against the Packers, might not be pretty. Uh, and for our own mental health, we might shake it up a little bit. So look for that in the coming weeks. But... Until then, thanks so much for listening, and bear down.